that we had here as the our shambles were back in town and uh, were here with us and I just felt so good to uh, to have them in service and to have him preach it was just a wonderful wonderful weekend and uh, I was just glad to have them and also that our uh, coffee shop is now open I hope that you are able to partake in that this morning and today I guess is really the first day that we have it um uh, functioning as it normally will. I think we still have some more things will be rolling out soon in the cap or in the coffee shop, but um, last week we had all the free treats and all of the samples and everything, but today you could order whatever you wanted. So I want to get into the word today. If you want to open up to the book of Hebrews, that's where we're going to go in Hebrews chapter 10. But before we get there, I want to uh, just tell you about a an extraordinary man. It was just a couple of years ago that this man passed away in 2018. And at the remarkable age of 107 years old. But that's not simply what made him extraordinary. Although that is quite an age to live to. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that uh, he served in government for over 25 years and was very well respected in the government uh, offices that he held. It wasn't just that this man won a chess tournament at the age of 99 years old. But Johan Van Hulst, I think we have a picture of him here, he was... A remarkable man for so many reasons, but the least of them was not that he played a very crucial role in saving over 600 Jewish children from Nazi genocide. It was in 1940 that this man, he was appointed the deputy principal of the Reformed Teacher Training College. It was a seminary that was in Amsterdam. And as World War II was sweeping across Europe, Van Hul's first contributions included helping this college and turning it into a, a shelter for Dutch teachers who were in danger for refusing the sign of the, the oath of loyalty to Germany. And, and by 1942, he began an even more radical means of rescuing the Jews. He himself was not a Jewish man, but he was rescuing the Jews that were there in Netherlands and the Nazis, they used a theater that was across the street from the college, and that was a deportation center for the Jewish families. And as part of their process, they would separate the children from their parents, and they would send them to this nursery that was next door. And the nursery had this back garden that was shared with the college that he was at. And he found a way to take these these children or to, to step in and to save these children who are being separated from their parents and brought into this nursery. And they, uh, he, he would begin this and then got some other nursery workers involved in it and his colleagues and they smuggled children out of the city. They would put them in, in waste baskets. So they would put them in laundry baskets and, uh, whatever way they could to get them hidden and, and to find them. Uh, a way out of the city into into the hands of 
a network that he had, uh, he had formed of people who would take these children in. And it lasted, his covert deliverance efforts lasted until 1943 when finally that nursery was closed and, and the Jewish director was sent to a death camp himself at Auschwitz. But this man, incredibly, throughout this time, saved at least 600 children from genocide. What an incredible story we see of of a man who himself, not being a Jew, but uh, he received an honor uh, from the the Jewish Holocaust Society and he was recognized as one they called righteous among the nations. That was his, the highest honor that a non-Jew could receive for something done during the Holocaust. And in this age when most Americans, when we really, we enjoy relative safety. We're not in a place where we are really even going to be in, in a, the kind of danger that Van Hulst was putting himself in. By saving these children. By, by doing that, he was endangering his own life. And today, we, we don't really uh, maybe have that same opportunity for that kind of sacrifice. That, uh, that depth of sacrifice. And yet, we can acknowledge with appreciation the high cost that he gave in order to give somebody else freedom. In order to give these children this Precious freedom that they deserved. That these families, these Jewish people that were being put into a, uh, these Nazi concentration camps and they were being enslaved. This is something that was, was not new to that people. The enslavement, the brutal treatment of the Jews is always throughout their history, been something that the enemy would love nothing more than to wipe them off the face of the earth. And today we still, I hope that you at times still pray for Jerusalem and you still would pray for the Jewish people. These are God's people. These are God's chosen people. And I, I just want to go back to this this time, this this first Moment of slavery that, that they find themselves in. For it was coming after a time when they had moved, uh, Jacob or Israel, he had moved his family to Egypt. And they had done so, uh, at the invitation of Pharaoh. Pharaoh had invited them in, they had come to Egypt, and yet we see, and if we can, uh, go, you know what, I told you to go to Hebrews, we are gonna go there, but, Let's first go to uh, Exodus. You can keep your finger there in Hebrews. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, it says in verse 8, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more, and they are mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and they fight against us, and so let's get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, 
Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and they grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Egyptians, they made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Here's these people that had been invited into Egypt. But there came a day when there was a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. He, all he did was he looked around at the threat of these foreigners who were living in his land. And he thought, if I continue to allow them just to live here peaceably, there's going to come a day when they're going to overtake us. I see how quickly they're growing. And I don't know who he attributed it to, but I believe God was blessing them. And they were multiplying as the promise was to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that their seed would be multiplied. And even in Egypt, in a foreign land, God was multiplying them. And there came a time over uh, over a, a period of time that they eventually fell into this this place where where the uh, the Pharaoh of the land that he took them into bondage and you know I, I think the same thing can happen in our own lives that even being free even even being in the church even being in the family of God we can at times find ourselves in a place of bondage there are certain things that we can allow and sometimes they happen gradually. Sometimes they, they, we can allow ourselves gradually to forget about the blessings of God and forget about what all God has brought us out of. And, and we can step back into the bondage that we came out of. Or we can invite bondage into our own life. Sometimes it happens suddenly. I've, I've witnessed those who have made decisions and suddenly invited bondage into their life or suddenly maybe they didn't invite it but uh, because of an act that was not uh, because of something that they would have ever chosen there's all of a sudden bondage innocence taken away there could be a drug that was used that can all of a sudden bondage in a moment and we can see such bondage, and, and perhaps even in your own life, you can identify fear, or you can identify loneliness, you can identify uh, addiction, different things that perhaps even today you are bound by. And it's not that you you desire that, but but for some reason, whether it was suddenly or it was gradually, you have found yourself in a similar place that the Hebrews had found themselves there in Egypt where they were in Egypt and they were bound. It says that uh, the taskmasters, they, they made their lives bitter. They made their lives uh, with hard bondage and the taskmasters drove them. And, and this is where they found themselves. And I want to say that fortunately, God saw the Israelites in their place of distress and God had a plan to deliver them. You never have to worry about whether or not God has a plan and a way of escape for the bondage that you find yourself in. 
Well, if there's somebody here today who you found yourself in, in a place of bondage and you, and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Just know and you can have confidence in God that there is a way of escape, that he has already planned it, that he already has it in order. You can trust him. It says, and for these Israelites, we see this way of escape. It came through a little baby. A little baby who was born in the midst of a time when every child was to be killed or every male child was to be thrown into the Nile River. Probably the the darkest hour, the darkest time period for uh, any of these Egyptian mothers or any of these Hebrew mothers who were there in Egypt and and uh, when that decree went out that if you have a male child that's not going to live and and yet they, they birth a child and and you have thankfully this mother who uh, she she has a child and she says, I, I'm not going to do what Pharaoh tells me to do. I'm going to hide him. And so we see. And in fact, let's let's go there in Exodus chapter two. We can read this story beginning in verse one. It says that there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived, and she bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and she daubed it with slime and with pitch. She put the child therein, she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, and his sisters stood afar off to wit. What would be done to him? The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. She had compassion on him. She said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And then said, His sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. The maid went and she called the child's mother and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away, nurse it for me and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and she nursed it and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She called his name Moses, she said, because I drew him. Out of the water. What an incredible testimony. That in the middle of the bondage, in the middle of this, this darkest fear that they could have, that you have a male child in the time when every male child is to be killed, that God made a way, and not only did He make a way for the child to live, but this child was raised in His mother's home. This child was raised and Paid for, she was paid for raising him by Pharaoh's daughter. Not only did she get to raise her son in, in a godly manner, not only did she get to tell him about God's providence and how God saved him, and, and not only did she get to, to tell him that this is your, these are your people. I know one day you're going to go back to the palace, but these are your people. And Moses, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And, and it's through this, this child that God 
would uh, would one day set his people free, but he was already at, at an early age beginning to lay the groundwork. And I'm telling you, if you are in a place of bondage today, there's maybe just a little hope that you that you get, and you don't see the the full. Uh, you don't see the, the fullness of it yet, but there's a little hope there. And that little child that was born on that day was the hope of salvation, that they would one day walk out of Egypt free. That one day they would be walking out, no longer being uh, being in chains, no longer being uh, whipped by the taskmasters, that one day their deliverance was going to come. I guess they haven't. I haven't stated the, the title today, but I want to am speaking on the God of deliverance. He is the God of deliverance. I'm thankful that we serve today a God who is able to deliver you from anything that you are held captive by. See, when that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the, the river to bathe that day, she saw that child. She immediately had compassion on that child. She swallowed him up and and, and, and took him up, swaddled him, and and then sent him back home with this child's sister. And Moses was raised there by his own mother under the protection of the Egyptian government. And what we see if, here is this uh, this experience from literal slavery that none of us, I hope none of us, would ever experience literal slavery. But there is some spiritual and emotional and psychological slavery that perhaps you have found yourself in. Many have experienced trauma and you've maybe just from the circumstances of life or by the wickedness of humanity that 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 trauma that has left you tortured and left you with doubt and left you with fear and and others that have committed great sin that that has left you overwhelmed by guilt and self-condemnation and perhaps it was even choices of your own that that have uh, caused you this this matter of of self-condemnation that that you put yourself in where you feel as if you are less than what God truly means for you to be when we can put ourselves in places of bondage. We can put ourselves in, in, a, in a place where, where God says, you are free. You don't have to be there. You, I, I know that you made a mistake, but that mistake doesn't define you. And God today is trying to wake somebody up to tell you, I have a plan. I'm a deliverer. I'm able to set you free. See, the same God who delivered the Israelites and who delivered our elders and our leaders to, that he can deliver you as well. God's hand is not short that he cannot save. His arm is not weak that he cannot, that, that, that he cannot come and lead you out of the bondage that you were in. See, as Moses grew up, we see that, uh, him there not, not only being raised by his mother, but also being raised within the household of Pharaoh and uh, as, as an older, older child, being raised there in the household of Pharaoh and receiving all of the instruction that a leader, the best instruction that a leader might receive. This is just how God works. This is just how God works, that when he is going to set you free, he's going to set you free indeed. 
completely. He has, he has every, uh, everything that's needed to, to set you free and to bring you out, not just from your bondage, but into the place of your promise. And that's what God was doing through Moses, through this way of escape, this deliverer, that God was establishing a pathway from their bondage into their promise. And that's what God is trying to do. He's, he's, he's uh, bringing you there. Sometimes you have to be brought through some things in order to, to come in and step into your promise. But God, he does it perfectly. Never have to doubt. God's purpose and his will. See, after the Hebrews uh, were finally delivered, we see Moses bringing them out uh, through the, the miracles that God had, had wrought through him. We see how the ten plagues, these things that came upon the Egyptians and and uh, all of their land. And finally, they're set free. And after they're delivered, God gave them the law at the Mount of Sinai. We find them there at, at the at the Mount of Sinai, and and perhaps you wondered, is should we be brought out of bondage, the bondage of Egypt, just to, just to be brought under the bondage of law? I see that the law is not bondage, but the law is freedom. The law of God is freedom. That without, without the law of God, I believe that the, these people would have just simply gone back into their place of bondage. In fact, that's what we see throughout their history. That when they would forsake the law of God, they, they would fall back into a place of bondage. But it's through the law of God that they find true liberty, that they find true freedom. In fact... In fact, when we when you look at what Moses was instructed to do during the ten plagues, there was uh, God that was giving him the words to say before he would go before Moses, and it was always "Let my people go." Right? We know those words. We see those words repeated by Moses. The words that we don't always see, or we don't see Moses saying to Pharaoh. Though it was the words that God spoke to Moses, it was, let my people go so that they may come into the wilderness and worship me. God doesn't bring you out of bondage just to leave you to your own devices, just to leave you to your own will. He wants to bring you out of bondage so that you may worship him. Because it's only in the worship of Him, it's only under the living under the law or the, um, the the plan of God that you have true freedom. That that's that's what comes when you are, are step out of bondage. Is you worship Him, you come into a place. He doesn't just bring you out in order for you to just just go your own way. God wants to bring you out in order to bring you in unto Him. Says I want you to let my people go so that they can come and worship me. And we see them do that through the law, this these series of commandments that they would follow. And this was not just because God wanted to control them. God didn't want to control them. God wanted to give them liberty. 
God wanted to give them peace. God wanted to bring them back into a healthy relationship with him. God wanted to prevent them from falling back into slavery ever again. God wanted to give them these commandments so that they could have, uh, so that they could walk into their promise, into the promised land. And they, they needed these laws in order to uh, walk fully into their promise. See, Moses, going back to this leader that, that God raised up, Moses uh, was this, this man that God used to deliver the Hebrews, but uh, he, was, he was really a, a type or a shadow of, of the true deliverer that would one day come. See, God, God exists outside of time and space. He, he understood that Israel was going to continue in sin, that they were going to turn back to, to their false gods. He, he knew that they were going to uh, go back into slavery. Moses, uh, Moses, even though he, he was this great deliverer and he brought them out, he was not the one who was able to bring them their ultimate deliverance. That would only come through Jesus Christ. The ultimate deliverance would only come through the man Jesus Christ. And we see this preached in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Now Peter, he preached the sermon that confirmed that Jesus Christ was indeed the prophet that was foretold in Deuteronomy 18. Let's go there to Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, speaking to Moses here, just like, just like I raised you up from among your brethren, I will raise up a prophet. I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. There will be a prophet. There is a man who is coming. There is a deliverer who is coming. And I'm thankful today that we don't have just a man Moses to look back to as the great deliverer that, uh, that brought them out of Egypt. But we have Jesus Christ that we can look to. There's the hope of my salvation as the one. Come on, that can extend even today. He's not still dead in a, buried in a tomb, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive today, and he's still able to reach into any situation that you're going through. He's still able to, to reach down and say, come on, I'm here for you. I, you don't have to worry about the, 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 the bondage that you find yourself in. Just come and say, here I am, God. I need your deliverance, and he will deliver you. God is able to deliver you. I believe that both the truth and the grace that Jesus Christ offers are freely available to us. The problem is not availability, but it's our willingness to accept that Jesus is freely offering it. The fact that he's saying, 
you're not too messed up. You're not too broken. You're not too far. There's so so many times where we can look at our situation and we say, I'm too far gone. I can't. I can't get out. I've, I'm too deep in this. I can't, I can't find a way out. No, 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 no. God is here. Jesus is able to offer freely the deliverance that you have, that you need. And it's, it's up to us to, to accept it, to believe that He is freely offering this today. It's like that, that familiar fable of, of a frog who sits there at the, the water as it's gradually coming up to a boil. And that frog, it always has that opportunity to jump out. But that frog, it gets comfortable where it might not choose freedom. Instead, it's going to just slowly perish. And the frog is just one choice away. Just one jump away from freedom, from salvation. And in in the same token, we are here today and you are one choice away from salvation. We can choose today to receive the grace and the truth that Jesus is offering us. We can repent of our sins. If you're here today and, and you need to repent of your sins or you need to submit to being baptized in the name of Jesus, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, which is the only name that can save you from your sins, then to, it's, it's just one choice. You're one choice away. One choice away. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it is just one step away. Don't stop seeking it. Don't stop saying, God, I need it. Come on, that's your token out of here. That's the seal of his His spirit on your life. By choosing salvation, we are choosing to receive the unmerited favor and the blessing of God. That's what the grace of God is. You can live an overcoming life through the power of the Holy Ghost. You can live an overcoming life and you can be led into truth by, by uh, obeying and, and being obedient to uh, the knowledge and the word of God. God is offering it freely today. See, sometimes when, when Christians, when we, we speak of the experiences in the, in the Old Testament versus the New Testament, we, we speak in these terms of the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. And we speak in these, these terms because in, in kind of separating the two, or as if one is greater than the other. And, and there's scripture for that, that the New Covenant is a greater covenant than the, than the Old, but... Both of these were established by God and they were appropriate for the time in which those uh, people were living under the covenant. But that old covenant was never intended to be permanent. In fact, it was always just a precursor to what Jesus did. Everything that happened in the Old Testament was just a prelude to what Jesus would accomplish on the cross because it says that from the foundations of the world, this lamb for sinners was slain. That Jesus, he had already paid the price from the beginning. Uh, that, that was already the plan from the very, very beginning when the foundations of the earth were laid. 
And yet, we see this old covenant, and it was never meant to be permanent. Paul, in fact, he wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Galatians 3, 24, it uh, says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So when Christ, when he died and he rose again, he established that new covenant. It's no longer the old covenant that would pass away or this old covenant that would point us to Jesus. But now we see the new covenant begin. And under this new covenant, we have different kinds of promises. We have different things that... Uh, that we can point to that, and that is that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself once for all. Let's go there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. I intended on opening with the scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by the which, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is where deliverance came. This is where your deliverance came. I hope I'm speaking to somebody here today. You're, you're sitting here and, and you're, you're contemplating the, the, the place where you find yourself. And, and if you find yourself in bondage today, you can uh, be searching. Perhaps you've been searching for a way out. I just want to tell you that the way out has already been established. That Jesus Christ died once for all. That Jesus Christ already died so that you might be free. That Jesus already died and paid the price so that you no longer have to live in bondage. That Jesus Christ has already paid the price for whatever it is that you find yourself bound by today. And and when you cash it in and you say, Jesus, all I need, come on, I, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful that you would come and that you would pay the price for my freedom. And you just claim the freedom today that comes through that name and through obedience to Jesus. So the old covenant, the old covenant was, was never the end goal. That law that was passed down to Moses on the Mount of Sinai, that was never the end goal. The writer of Hebrews, he made it clear when he said that the law was a shadow of good things to come. It was not the very image of the things. The law, it could never make people perfect. Instead, when the children of God regularly came forward to make their sacrifices and their sins uh, would be rolled forward one more year. But when Jesus came... When Jesus came, he says, I paid the price and it's no longer just rolling your sins back one more year. It's no longer just putting off the bondage for one more season. But no, I'm going to completely set you free from the bondage that you find yourself in. So I'm thankful that we have that, that promise today that Jesus has already paid the price. It's on the day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God came in. It was like a rushing mighty wind that filled the house that, that they were in. And it's, it's through the Holy Ghost that I believe we can experience the full liberty that Christ desires for us to have. 
right, Brother Duffy, it's, it's in when you are walking in the spirit that you would not fulfill the lust thereof, that you would not fulfill the desires of, of your heart, but instead you'd be led by the desires of God's heart. And it's not going to lead you into bondage. The spirit of God is never going to lead you into bondage, but it will lead you out of bondage. To the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisee Nicodemus, he was very well versed in the law of Moses. And he came to Jesus by night. I'm going to close it with this. He came to Jesus by night. He recognized immediately that Jesus was a teacher that came from God. However, Jesus was more than just a special teacher. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the one who was going to set his people free. He was the, 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 pro, the promised prophet that was spoken of there in Deuteronomy. Jesus, he answered this question that, that came from Nicodemus when, when Nicodemus asked him uh, what one must do in, in order to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For all of Nicodemus' knowledge and training, he could not understand what Jesus was saying. He's saying, could, could there really be freedom from the constraints of the law? These things that they had, all these rules that they had followed so rigorously for thousands of years, could there really be hope uh, for the Messiah at this point in history. And Nicodemus, he seemed genuinely curious. So Jesus began to relate to him and to tell him that God so loved the world. This is in John three sixteen, That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What a precious promise that is. That Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to look at you and all of your faults and to say, you're never going to amount to anything. No, Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to bring you out. Jesus came to say, even when I've already saved you from your sins, there's still some things that you may find yourself in bondage in, and I don't want to leave you there. He doesn't want to leave you there today. He says, I come that you might have life, that you might be saved from every bit of bondage that you would find yourself in. On each and every one of us today, has an opportunity to choose Jesus and to choose the life and the freedom that he offers us. Close just with this, this picture for us today. This, if you've ever, ever been to a circus and uh, you've seen those, those circuses trained animals that begin to perform and, and I love Seeing all these different things that they're able to do, and and one of those uh, one of those trainers may at one point in that circus bring out the elephants. Anybody ever been to a circus and you see the elephants? They they come out. It's pretty amazing to to see what what they're able to get these these huge animals to do. It's massive animals, largest land animal on earth, and 
and they're able to get these things to do some really impressive stunts. Maybe they can stand on just a, a little stool or they can, they can stand on just, just one foot or uh, all kinds of things that they can do. But uh, I think one of the most impressive, impressive feats, most impressive things that this trainer is, will do is after the lights come down from the circus, they lead that elephant out. They just tie a simple rope around the leg of that, that elephant. They'll tie it to a stake. And as they do that, that elephant will remain perfectly docile, not aware that freedom is just one choice away. I think the reason for this is similar to what we were talking about with that frog, that it's gradual. That, that, that heat of that water just goes up gradually, but uh, just, just one choice it could could have jumped out, and the same thing is true with the gradu- uh, gradual um, training that takes place with these elephants. That from just a a baby, from a, a little baby elephant, they would at that time tie it up to something much stronger with large chains, and and that that baby elephant would try to break free, and it couldn't do so, and and eventually, as it uh, would continue to try to break free, it just eventually stopped resisting. And when the elephant gives up, the trainers no longer need those heavy chains. Instead, they can lead it around with just a little small rope. They can tie it up with just a little small rope. See, the brutal attacks of the enemy, they're designed to wear you down over time. The bondage that you might find yourself in, it maybe it happened over time. And you found yourself in a place where you say, I don't have the will anymore to try to break free. In order to just say, Jesus, I give myself to you. I need you to take over. Well, but today, that's all that he wants you to do is just to say, Jesus, it's not by my will. It's not by my power to be able to break free from the bondage that I find myself in. But I need you because that's the only thing that's going to set me free. Don't be like the frog. Don't be like the elephant today who's willing to stay in bondage. Let's call on the name of the Lord. In fact, right now, if we could, just slip a hand up. If every eye closed, as we close out this, this service here today, and just begin to pray. God, I know there's somebody here right now that's under the sound of my voice, that they are dealing with things that, that they've been dealing with for a long time. Uh, things that, uh, that they would love to be free from, some uh, some, some things mentally and emotionally that, uh, that have had them bound up and, and, and entrenched, God. Things that uh, they brought on themselves and things that they did not bring on themselves. But the circumstances of life caused them to be bound today. And God, we've tried and tried to break free. We've tried and tried to, uh, to find peace and freedom. But that peace and freedom can only come in you. God, you already made the way of escape. You've already established the way. It's not Moses, but no, it's Jesus Christ. Let us look to the author and the finisher of our faith right now. Come on, let us look in, into Jesus, into the hands of Jesus and say, you've already paid the price so that I might be free. God, I, I need you right now more than I've ever needed you. Lord, I want to be set free. If there's somebody here today, I want to just call on that name. Well, let's just call him Jesus.